Hello, friends, and welcome to the May 2023 offering from me, Shay and the Cat Skills. I'm delighted to be here with you. I'm recording this on Sunday, April 30th at 9.05 a.m. Eastern Time in Mount Tremper, New York. Today is my grandmother's 97th birthday. Happy birthday, Grandmom Charlotte. Here in the Catskills, spring is doing its special miraculous thing. And it makes me wonder, does this really happen every year? The green is creeping up the mountain and dogwoods and ornamental crab apples and quinces are in bloom. Peepers. And also it's kind of cold. Uh, not a complaint, really, just an observation. Here's what's happening in my tarot world. Pre-orders are open for my tarot guidebook, workbook, art book, tarot as questions, and I'll say a little bit more about that in a moment, but a link to that and everything else as always is in the episode notes. I'll be offering my workshop, Asking Good Questions, on Tuesday, May 16th at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. Got a little link there so you can see what people who've had that experience are saying about it. There are two spots left in the new Study Tarot Series cohort that begins this month with Operationalizing Desire, The Magician and Aces, and we start meeting on May 7th at 10 a.m. Eastern. Uh, and there's also still room to join the cohort underway, meeting uh, May 8th and 15th at 3 p.m. Eastern. We'll be taking up Experiencing Pleasure and Abundance, the Empress and Minor Threes. So if that's interesting to you, you can join that as well. And my books are open for readings in May. And thank you to all of you who continue to support my work in so many truly amazing and generous ways. So Tarot is Questions, open for pre-orders. This is my book, my book baby that's coming out right now. It is an 8 by 10 spiral bound, 220 page workbook, guidebook, art book. It is a space to explore and develop and deepen your unique relationship to the tarot. And it includes writings and questions on the 78 arcana or mysteries, as well as some short introductory chapters about my tarot journey, the impact of culture, on our imagination, uh, desire and pleasure, questions as technology, and face-up card pulls. So I may have talked about this elsewhere, but essentially last summer, I set myself an assignment to write about all of the arcana in Etel Cocoon's Tarot as Color tarot deck. And I wrote about all 78 arcana in 78 days, and I've collected those writings here. 
And it's a workbook in the sense that in the part of the book where I write about the arcana, my writing is on the left side, the left page. And on the facing page is an open space for you to answer some of the questions that I um, have created for each of the arcana or to curate some of your favorite meanings or to doodle. The book is risographically designed by Aurora Brush of Cosmic Doghouse Press. And her color work and printing magic have really brought it to life and given it a whole life of its own that I could have never imagined. But we um, designed it to make it the kind of book that you feel like you could actually write in. And that's the whole idea is that I want you to participate in actually creating the book. So that is the idea behind it. This is a limited first edition. I'll be signing all copies. And we're doing pre-orders through May with estimated shipping the week of the summer solstice in mid to late June. And we are only going to print a particular number of copies based on pre-orders. So if you are thinking about wanting a copy, pre-order it in May, because after that we'll close pre-orders and then print the edition. And then that is all. <laughs> and it is going to be printed and published by and available available exclusively from Cosmic Doghouse Press in Kingston, New York. And I just want to say a little bit about Cosmic Doghouse Press because it's a really special situation. Cosmic Doghouse Press is an independent publisher that specializes in risograph printing, zines, and bookmaking. They are a community-forward press, meaning they prioritize uplifting the voices of their neighbors. And specifically, they aim to help folks who've been underserved within fine art spaces by offering access to printing as a mode of communication through which information can be dispersed with intention and care. They're interested in creating periodical publications, playful projects, and accessible art as an act of resistance to capitalism. Printmaking is historically and currently a mechanism that has been variously exploited by the patriarchy, by the ruling class, and by the colonizer, while simultaneously existing as a tool for revolution. And Cosmic Doghouse Press wants to help provide resources for revolution, and they intend to provide a material platform where our voices can contribute to the expansion of our unlearning and understanding as a collective. Connection is at the heart of what they do, and they want to help amplify content that generates joy, compassion, and tenderness within their communities. So this is who I decided to publish my book with, um, local really gets the whole thing. Um, my writing just feels like a perfect fit for what they're up to. And Aurora has been a really incredible collaborator in this process. And so um, by pre-ordering the book, you're supporting my work and you're also supporting this independent community press that is um, all about community and um, uplifting voices that 
um, typically don't get heard. So this has been a very intentional process. And um, so I hope that you will consider making a pre-order. I um, feel so amazing about this, this project. And um, it contains my writing and it contains my artwork and um, it contains a lot of my heart mind. So even if you don't pre-order, check it out. Ooh, yeah. The first quote for this month's offering comes from Bio Akomalafe. He says, there is no belonging in being correct. There is no belonging in being correct. I've been thinking about that. Under you might be interested. First up is a support group called Sexual Healing Embodied with Melina Martinez, a community-based support and learning space for those exploring embodiment, authentic desire, and growth and healing in their life, sexually, emotionally, and beyond. I got to work with Melina Martinez last year in a Somatics for Social Justice workshop, and I really can't wait to work with them again in this new space. And next up is two workshops that are coming up this month from my friend uh, Peg Conway. The first is part of Ata Yoga's Let's Talk About It Death series, the final installment of that series. Um, and it's called Living with Death, Befriending Grief. And that's on Saturday, May 20th at 11 a.m. Eastern. And then the next day, Peg is offering a workshop called Making Space, Rituals for Releasing Stuff. And that's on Sunday, May 21st at 1 p.m. Eastern. And um, with respect to the Making Space workshop, Peg says, whether you're dealing with childhood treasures, ancestral heirlooms, or ordinary household items, the real dilemma at the heart of the process is, how do I know what to keep and what to move along? Having just moved recently, I really relate to that. And finally is um, a website to uh, about and containing the writings and work of Oriathaya, she who rages on the mountain. It's a commemorative tribute website to the poet, seeker, radical lesbian feminist, witch, and writer. And I know Oriathaya because she was the best friend of my tarot mentor. I pull a card from Oriathaya's Smith Rider Weight deck on every new and full moon. And uh, she died in 2019, and this website has collected a lot of her writing and a lot of her biographical information, and it is um, a delicious little treasure trove to dip into. Highly recommend. And next up is a quote from Kelly Hayes. Late-stage capitalism is also late-stage individualism. So that's going to be a huge part of the struggle, caring when so many others are acting as though not caring is normal. It's reciprocal care versus inevitability as defined by the ruling class. And that quote is excerpted from my first item in What's Inspiring Me Now, 
uh, which is the hundredth episode of Movement Memos, which Kelly Hayes is the host of. It is one of my very favorite podcasts. And on this hundredth episode, host Kelly Hayes and guest Miriam Kaba talk about their forthcoming book, Let This Radicalize You, which I've pre-ordered five copies of because it's going to be amazeballs. And this episode is one of the most inspiring, sanity-affirming things I've heard in a long time. Miriam Kappa says, if everything was foretold and things were already done, why would they continue to do the things they are doing on the other side? They know it's contested. Indeed. Next up, what's inspiring me now is collage. And the first link is artwork by students at Essex Street Academy under the superlative tutelage of art teacher Chelsea Green. Check it out. And also a link to Justine Curland, who's using an X-Acto knife to re-image the male-dominated canon of photography. Next up in what's inspiring me now is consummate audio storytelling that weaves deep investigative journalism and personal narrative. The first, these are both multi-episode series, and the first one is called You Didn't See Nothing by Johans LaCour, and the second is called The Africas Versus America by Matthew Amha. The Africa's versus America is about the siege on move in Philadelphia in 1985. I was nine years old when that happened, the bombing of this whole residential or the bombing of this particular house that actually burned down a whole residential block. And I had no idea at nine years old what was actually going on. And from listening to this incredible um series, I realize now how incredibly complex and really unbelievable and totally believable it all is. Prefiguring uh, abolitionist movements of today, these are both just really amazing examples of how um, deep investigative journalism can be braided together with personal storytelling. Just really recommend both of these riveted every single episode. So well done. And next up um, is an article called End of Life Dreams by Paul Luritsen. And it's about a hospice doctor in Buffalo, New York, who uh, has done a bunch of research about the dreams and visions of people who are dying and I'm actually listening to his audiobook right now. It's incredible, but this article is sort of a taste of that. Quote, the nurse responded skeptically about the need for fluids and antibiotics because she said the patient was dying. When Kerr asked her how she knew, she responded that the patient was seeing his deceased mother. This article was incredible, and this doctor's book is amazing. And um, yeah, I can't stop thinking about it. Next up is a link to a short piece called The Art Room at My Texas Prison 
by Brian Hinson. And I just really loved Brian Hinson's drawing of his art space in the prison where he's incarcerated. And the link will take you to that image. And this piece is part of the Prison Journalism Project, which I subscribe to their newsletter. And it's pieces written by people who are living on the inside. And um, I highly recommend it. The writing is amazing. And it's a really important window into how people are living under the most adverse conditions that our country creates for many, many people. And finally is uh, Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead, a new work for theater conceived and directed by Simon McBurney, based on the Nobel Prize-winning author Olga Tokarczuk's novel of the same name. I got to watch a, a video production of this yesterday. Catherine Hunter plays the lead role. She, she is a living treasure. I was speechless. If you get a chance to see this, if you're in Europe, you can see it live. If you are not, um, there may be a way to see it by video. Check it out. It was really, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm thinking about it. I'm going to be thinking about it and um, just incredible, incredible. I have another quote here from Kelly Hayes from that same interview. And this is also something that I've been thinking about and talking about with a lot of people lately. She says, a lot of people find the inevitability of something bad easier to process than uncertainty. Most of us have an epistemic need to reduce uncertainty. So it's actually easier for a lot of people to tell themselves that they already know what's going to happen and that it's going to be bad and to just sort of suppress their feelings about that instead of challenging the direction that things are taking or imagining a way to make things better. I really relate to that. I really, really relate to that and think it's really interesting. And that whole idea is what inspired my tarot offering this month, which is called The Power of It Hasn't Happened Yet. And the image that I used for this offering is of Major Arcana 21, the world, and Major Arcana 0, the fool, from Isabella Rotman's This Might Hurt Tarot. And I, I wanted to sort of talk about the space between these two arcana. And so um, here's my offering of the power of it hasn't happened yet. And it starts with a quote from Bio Okomalafe, our work here is to play with possibility to upset the established order, the normative ways of speaking and thinking about ourselves just long enough for other intelligences to be noticed. And then from Miriam Kaba, I don't know what's to come. And that to me is actually a source of freedom not a source of panic and anxiety. I was talking to one of my dear friends and spiritual sisters recently about this space between the world and the fool arcana. The world is the quote-unquote end of the fool's journey, where they end up after their adventure through the other 20 major arcana. 
Associated with Saturn, the world is about the possibility of freedom, but grounded in reality, using our particular endowments to navigate this complex, beautiful, terrible world. The fool is where it all begins, pure possibility. They are all faith and trust, setting out on a great adventure, unburdened by what might lie ahead. Part naive child, part court jester, the only one who can say shit to the king's face without getting killed, the fool is the arcana of no box, of unfixedness, of trickster energy. I was telling my friend about a recent action hour that I participated in. We were calling offices with connections to the Atlanta Police Foundation, asking them to drop their contracts and stop Cop City. We were also calling into a Pennsylvania prison to demand charges be dropped against abolitionist author Stevie Wilson. The Action Hour participants were letting us know via the chat when they were being hung up on. And so I came off mute to let folks know that this was a good thing. The people on the other end of the line hang up and get irritated because they're receiving a lot of calls. One office had created a whole separate phone line for just these kinds of calls. I reminded them that we have every right to call these people and make demands. We can be grounded, even polite, but we're allowed to call. And so I was reflecting to my friend how much I feel like we're conditioned by customer service culture to not upset anyone, conditioned by white supremacy culture to be nice, but this is not how we get free. In response, she shared a story that one of the members of the monastery's New Zealand Sangha once told during a talk about the monastery's founding abbot, Dido Roshi. Dido was in New Zealand to lead a retreat, and one day he and others went to have breakfast in a local restaurant. And while they were eating, a meter maid, as he told the story, began writing a parking ticket for their car, and Dido jumped up to interrupt her, something that was considered very an, an American thing to do, to make a fuss, to argue. It's okay, Dido, we'll just pay the fine. Enjoy your breakfast. But what was actually happening was, it hadn't happened yet. The ticket wasn't written. The moment was still in play. I've been thinking a lot about that space between the clear-eyed, life-tempered perspective of the world and the playful faith of the fool. When the fool makes it to the end of their journey at the world arcana, they begin again. They step right out of the world, traverse that gap, canny with the distilled wisdom of the prior journey tucked away in a small bundle they carry lightly over their shoulder and re-enter the journey over and over and over. The fool is an invitation into the power of play and into the power of things being in play. They know that the story is never finished and are eager to participate in its unfolding. They are the medium of change itself that we have the opportunity to shape with our particular powers and desires. 
I recently spoke to one of my organizer comrades who was also on that action hour call. And I asked them what it might look and feel like to be diabolical for liberation. The far right is diabolical. I don't even need to go into it here. But what would it mean for us to be diabolical about getting free? Later, I looked up the etymology of diabolical. Dia, meaning across, plus the Proto-Indo-European root guel, meaning to throw, reach, and to pierce. This also made me think of that space between the world and the fool, reaching across that alchemical interstice where things haven't happened yet with all of our longing and creativity. When we do some small thing once, it has its effect. When we repeat that small thing every day, it soon becomes a habit. When we do that small thing day after day for years, it can change the direction of our life. It's not how wide the angle of the initial reorientation is, but rather the repetition of that small thing over time that has the potential to steer a whole new course. When one person makes a phone call, it hardly registers. When 50 people make that same phone call in half an hour, the person answering that call can't ignore it. When 50 people make that phone call day after day after day after day, it becomes something that a lot more people on the other end of the line have to contend with. This is why organizing is so powerful. What would it mean to get creatively diabolical about our liberation every day, alone and with each other? To reach out across that space between the way things are now, the world, and the future that hasn't happened yet, the fool. To throw our desires across that gap, use our creativity to pierce through the illusion of a future wrapped in inevitability and instead alchemize the future that is actually always being created now. 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 You can find out more about my tarot work at my website, shayandthecatskills.com. And I'm going to leave you with one more quote from Miriam Kaba. She says, that's all my proposition is that it's possible that the thing can be different. My other proposition is what my friend Ashan Crowley teaches me all the time, that we want the practice of hope to produce what he calls otherwise possibility, a break from the known and the knowable world. That's what a practice of hope helps us to get towards, to move towards. And if you want to see um, the latest picture of my beautiful, peculiar, you should check out the blog post for this offering, um, where I sort of conclude things with um, a picture of my sweet cat. And I want to thank you for um, being with me and sharing this space and time with me. And um, I'm wishing you a very generative and delicious May, and I hope to see you here next month. Bye for now.